0: How do you meet ever-increasing client demands for higher and higher levels of customer service without breaking the bank and still have time to build your practice? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers.
1: Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers Podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and Chief Transformation
0: Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers Podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. How can you be the first to know about each week's podcast and get on the list for special, listener-only content? It's simple. Go to shiftshapersonline.com And click the subscribe button. On this episode of the Shift Shapers podcast, we're talking to Julian Lago. Julian is co-founder and president of a real neat company called Benazon. By way of full disclosure, Julian is a very old friend of mine. He's also a regional vice president with the National Association of Health Underwriters. But we're going to talk to him not about either of those two things. We certainly are not going to talk to him about stories about us being friends for years because those aren't suitable for publication. But we are going to talk about the area of advocacy for plan members because it's a huge need and uh, a whole field has sprung up around it. And I know Julian's been been studying this for the last five years and has been working diligently to kind of understand what employees need. And so we thought it'd be interesting to chat with him a little bit about it and talk about what you need to look for in your practice and how you might employ some of these same techniques. So with that, welcome, Julian.
1: Good morning, Dave. Thank you.
0: There's a recent Kaiser Family Foundation study that that is shocking and yet unsurprising, and it talks about the amazing lack of literacy among the population about things healthcare plan related, including such things as rudimentary as the fact that folks still don't understand the difference between a copay and coinsurance. In your study of this field, are you finding that the problem is that rudimentary?
1: Well, to be candid, Dave, I think that it's really not a shocking, uh, you know, revelation. There, there's still a lot of confusion, you know, in the average member. We've, you know, we've migrated them from traditional PPO plans to HMO plans, and now they're back to PO, POS type options, and and the vocabulary seems to get more intense, and the average member is really still confused when you talk about. What their deductible is, they confuse that with their out of pocket, and and I know I'm not saying anything that's unusual, but the reality is you add in all the complexities that the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, added to that with um, now qualifying for subsidies and other things, and and the world has gotten more complex, and the consumer unfortunately is smack in the middle of that, and there's just not a lot of outlets for them to really gain knowledge and understanding, although there's a rich desire to so. Certainly an interesting dynamic that we're living in right now.
0: Well, and and yet, as you mentioned, ACA has pushed the plan designs to a point where there's a lot more personal responsibility. And you would think that employees would want to be better consumers and would want to understand this. And yet they kind of need a helping hand to get there because they haven't really been consumers, arguably, since the end of World War II. Is that kind of your finding as well?
1: Yeah, I think you know that's actually you know what we're looking at, and I think as, as most brokers, you know, engage members during open enrollment and and really at any point in time where they try to increase the level of education or understanding, there's just a, a, a desire for information. We talk about, you mentioned consumer. We've gone through a whole phase in our industry about consumerism. Well, in many ways, we've asked them to become better consumers, be aware of what costs are, be aware of what their out-of-pocket expenses. But in some cases, they just don't have the tools. And and tools and sometimes have as much to do with a level of education and, and what I call healthcare IQ as it does with actual hard tools that create transparency and other things. So there is a a need for that consumer to have guidance in navigating this healthcare world.
0: In our discussions off air, your study of this subject has brought you to kind of three key focus areas. And I thought it would be useful if we discussed each one of those in turn. So just for the audience, the three things we're going to talk about, and we'll stop and dig into each one a little bit, is awareness, engagement, and an improvement So let's talk about awareness first. When you talk about awareness, what do you mean, why is it important?
1: Well, I think awareness is part of that education component. We talk about general plan questions and things like out-of-pocket expenses, understanding how those things intertwine with their deductibles and their expectations. In many cases, um, members were led to live in a world of co-payments because of the nature of HMOs. As um, some of the newer plans have arisen, the members have asked for more choice. Well, with choice comes in and out of network. So that awareness of how their plan interacts with their real life expectation. And remember, the flip side of that is the action and the engagement with the medical provider team. Unfortunately, so many times the information is just not 100% accurate. When a member calls a doctor's office to verify their coverage, they have to be aware that that team on the other side may not be answering the question, even though intentionally they're saying, yes, we accept Blue Cross, or we accept the carrier. Does that truly mean that they're a participant with their particular plans? So they have to be aware that there's just inevitably there's uh, potholes along the way. So we try to you know, make sure that that awareness is open, that that mindset is set so that they understand there's a whole new vocabulary to deal with.
0: Because to a certain extent, they're like the rest of us on any new project. They don't know what they don't know.
1: That's a great point. That's exactly it. They really don't know what they don't know. And unfortunately, that extends, David, to both sides of the equation. Even the providers of services have have a long learning curve. And in many cases, some of the 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 least educated folks regarding healthcare and the needs are the ones that are doing, you know, plan certification or verification of coverage. So there, there is a lot of, you know, areas for the members to uh, be aware of.
0: A lot of potholes, for sure. And and it, while while those of us who have been practicing in this area for a long time understand that it's not terribly complicated, it's a it's a, you're right. It's a whole different world for employees to navigate. So the second piece, and we'll circle back and talk about how you knit all these together towards the end, but the second piece that you said you always talk about is engagement. Everybody's got a different definition of engagement and how you achieve it, but what have you learned?
1: Well, engagement, like you said, has, has different, I guess, perceptions, getting that member to realize that they truly can be involved. It's not like stepping into a vehicle and, and driving it for the first time without, you know, without understanding the dynamics of it. They they can use transparency tools. And, and that terminology these days, David, has so many different connotations. What does it really mean? Is it just a price point or is it relevance to what my out-of-pocket expenses are? And, um, uh, quality rating also. How do we start to see, you know, the difference between one center of excellence in comparison to a facility that's around the corner from our home? So that engagement of the member to understand those differences, understand second opinions that are necessarily going to be required by that. So we really have to have them start to take ownership of that. And in many cases, that happens alongside with a good concierge service, a healthcare advocacy team that will personalize that support for that member.
0: The holy grail seems to be, we talked to an awful lot of people on the podcast about engagement. And the question that always comes up is engagement, for example, in wellness programs, engagement runs 1% or a percent and a half. And the question then becomes, how do you incentivize employees? How do you get better numbers and engagement is it just letting people get whacked in the butt with a bill they didn't expect and then they get religion or can you do things proactively
1: well here's the interesting dynamic I you know I'm as, as with yourself Dave I love following trends in the industry trends outside our industry do with technology one of the things that kind of if you step back and think about it and look at it as sophisticated as some of the uh, internet sites are, there seems to be a movement from high tech to high touch, almost without exception. You go to a site today and they have a chat box. They have a help button. They have an interactive button so that the member can say, okay, Throwing my hands up. I just have a quick question. Can somebody please answer my question and not make me navigate through pages and pages of information? And you're finding that that type of high-tech, high-touch component is that part of engagement. If we can make and assist that member in getting the data that they want when they want it at the moment they need it, as opposed to giving them a very well-designed, high-sophisticated tool that you know, collects dust because it's too complex for anybody to use it. So there is that fine line between high tech and tight touch. And I think we're starting to see that become common use within our industry more and more. So the
0: holy grail is no longer the gee whiz tools. The holy grail has gone back to probably what it should have been in the first place, which is the user experience.
1: Absolutely. That that user experience, understanding, asking the questions, but then not giving them information that was irrelevant to what they asked for, helping them get right to the point that they're needing. And again, not speaking in, in mumbo jumbo, but speaking in normal languages. And in most cases, you know, helping them deal with folks that, could be if they're answering questions, if they're interacting with a help desk or a chat box, or for that matter, calling out through a toll-free number, that they're dealing with subject matter experts that not only understand their question, but can give them the answer in such a way that it's comprehensive and it's understandable. And now,
0: a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical the founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff, while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, Go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. The third pillar that you talked about is improvement. Obviously, we all know what improvement means, but in the context of what we're talking about, what is improvement, what's the goal, and how do you measure it?
1: well Im- improvement in many ways is is taking and creating that peace of mind that the member needs improving their current position their their feeling and really their experience within the use of healthcare so things like medical bill reviews appeals you know, fee negotiations. How do you take a member's experience who's done everything they can, but still ends up with a maximum out-of-pocket or a bill that is is pretty sizable? In today's world, it's not uncommon. Deductibles and out-of-pockets have have gone to the point where they exceed most people's, you know, lines of credit even. So $1,500, $2,000 out-of-pocket, how do you give that person and improve their financial position? Well, really with Understanding how you can go through an appeal process, understanding how you can go through and have a concierge-level negotiation of those expenses so that they're broken down in such a way that they're tolerable, that they, in in essence, can help that member be in a much better position moving forward. In some instances, it's, it's, it's a matter of educating them and walking them through the use of their HSA plan. An unfunded HSA is kind of like a flashlight without batteries. So it doesn't do us any good if we can actually educate them and show that they can fund that HSA, and in many cases, obviously pre-tax, and then move money periodically to the end payer. That's a much better resolution than allowing that bill to go into collections. So you improve that financial position by the education and really the uh, concierge-level service that goes in.
0: So it it's still really resolves around the lowest common denominator is
1: pocketbook issues. Absolutely. I mean, uh, think about where we're putting the average person, even with a subsidy and even with uh, a traditional plan, to say that you're sitting there on $6,500 or $6,850 of a, out-of-pocket maximum. I don't know that the average American today who's working, a lot of the families are still paycheck to paycheck. And even the ones that are able to put a few dollars aside, one incident can wipe out those total financial uh, safety nets. So it's a situation where they need that interactive and that support. And and I can tell you that's the highest ROI when you give that peace of mind, that improvement of their financial situation. You get a, a tremendous amount of ROI back from that member.
0: So within the framework of those three pillars, what are the kinds of questions that are most often asked in the industry? What are the entry points for employees?
1: Well, if I can take a step back, I think that what we're doing here when we talk about advocacy, many qualified and, you know, some of the the better agencies along with qualified staff have been providing many of these things, you know, for years, including when I was back as as a personal producer and my team that we selected, we wanted to make sure that they had the, the level of expertise to handle these things. What's transpired is we're migrating more and more into clinical issues, into finding the right type of physician, understanding, first of all, what are the options, because the options have expanded tremendously. Any one illness can now be dealt with some type of physical therapy, some type of medication therapy, and ultimately a surgical procedure. Each of those have their different price tags. So in our world, years ago, someone would call, it was simply, okay, here's where your doctor is, here's the in-network physician, and good luck. Nowadays, it's, well, what type of care is that doctor offering you? And what questions should you be asking that physician as well, so that not only do you get the right type of treatment for your needs, but economically and for every other reason, you're making sure that you're engaging in the process and making the best selection. Again, that consumerism, but with the tools and with the information that's necessary. So you bring and you bend, you combined healthcare information with clinical information, and now you've got a consumer that's really got, you know, not only a sword, but a shield.
0: Interesting. Let's go back to the question because I think it's interesting to look at, again, with all of that background, what are the kinds of questions that come up most frequently?
1: Well, we've got questions. Folks are calling in with pretty straightforward, trying to find that in-network treatment provider, identify on scheduling appointments. And in today's world, the demand for primary care physician has increased tremendously. So you're finding that many of them are looking for assistance in scheduling appointments we're getting questions as far as clarity of coverage. Step therapy and medication has become really prominent, so helping them understand those steps that are necessary. But in many cases, the questions start off as a rather mundane question and then escalate into understanding how my insurance plan is going to cover this and most importantly, what are my out-of-pocket responsibilities going to look like? So those are the type of things that we'll see in any typical call-in to an advocacy line.
0: So if, if I'm a benefit advisor, I've traditionally had my staff do a lot of this kind of advisement. Why can't I just continue to do this in-house?
1: Well, that's a great point, David. And in, in many cases, agencies will find some very qualified individuals, their account managers or even have a dedicated team. Ironically, you know, if, if we step back for a moment and we and we look at our kind of our sister industry, the property and casualty industry, they file claims all day long as well. And they have, um, you know, traditional methods to handle claims. And in most cases, they found it to be much more cost effective and handled in a very, very, you know, expeditious manner when they can bring in the subject matter experts, the claims adjusters and the people that are necessary to process things. Service is a key component to what we're promising on the benefit side of the world. But that service has to come with a level of, of sophistication today and have the right subject matter experts. And as I mentioned, almost without exception, most TPAs and good insurance agencies have the benefit explanation capabilities, have the ability to explain and navigate through the healthcare. Where they lack, in some instances, is that clinical component, David. And that has become so critical you know, finding the right type of care, finding the right navigation through the system and understanding ultimately the claim resolution in today's world, those appeals process, those fee negotiations are much more sophisticated. And candidly, to have your staff try to do this and really expend energy and time when this could be outsourced, it's a much better use of um, most large agencies' times to outsource this.
0: Well, and in today's universe, I mean, we talk about this on the podcast occasionally, commission compression or commission elimination or evaporation is a real thing. I suspect that if I can outsource some of this, that I have more time to go out and write business, build my book, and focus on the things that only I as the advisor can do, right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, one thing, let's not forget, most brokers are walking in and trying to make sure that they can show justification why their agency differentiates itself in the marketplace. One of those things that's that's critical is if, you know, I've heard many people say, you know, if you can't document it, it didn't happen. So, how do you justify that your staff spent 15, 20, 30 hours a week on an account? Explaining benefits and so on. If you're not recording, if you're not, if you don't have the system in place where you can track each of these activities, one of the things that uh, you know most advocacy platforms will do is track those activities in a summary report. And these summary reports are provided in most cases to the agency so that they can go back during the the mid year or actually any time that they're you know presenting information to that account. And really, at that point in time, it's a benchmark. It shows what those interactions look like, what the areas that the members need education, what there is a redundancy of questions or assistance need. And that really starts to shape how you implement real tools for those members. So those summary reports are something that we find that most brokers will use, and it becomes a tremendous tool to reinforce the value of their agency.
0: Julian, in the minute or two that we have left, we always like to ask our guests at the end of the podcast, In their field, what does the future look like? So we'll ask you that question. What do you see coming down the pike? What are benefit advisors going to see and what should they be looking for?
1: Well, interesting enough, I think that benefit advisors uh, are really in a a position where they're starting to brand and they're starting to recognize that their value in the industry is no longer being questioned. For early on, I remember talking around the country about ACA and how it was going to destroy the broker marketplace. I think there has been a weeding, but these brokers and agencies that have really stepped up and, and garnished larger chunks of the business are recognizing that they're bringing value proposition in Today's mark consumer is expecting 24 hours a day 7 day a week support the staff that we have is stretched, as you said, David. So we need to make sure that we maximize and we, we provide the right tools. But ultimately, where the industry I see it going is such that we can interact with that consumer at a level where that consumer's experience feels that they can recognize that they now have the tools in place to improve their healthcare needs. This ultimately, at the end of the day, is going to improve the retention and really help with that relationship that that brokers establishing.
0: A great place to end our conversation for the day. Julian Lago, president and co-founder of Benazon. Julian, thanks for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience.
1: Thanks again, David. Appreciate it.
0: The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltzmangroup.com. Or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Ship Shapers to work in your business.